so uh, Scott Speed's wet nurse and former Kevin Buckler employee? Yeah. Yeah. I Besties. Yeah. Mr. Uh, uh, I believe that in French it would be Slugger Labé. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Slugger Labé. Richard. If you could describe this dinner that we didn't have um, <laughs> in one word, what would it be? Rewarding. Oh. oh okay. Despite really the lack of food. Really you seem, flipped the you switch seem pretty there. annoyed there. No, rewarding because... Like I said, one day I'll write a, I, I want to write a book, but I probably won't because it'd be too infringing on many people, <laughs> All right. and including myself. Well, but we, we can write it and hold on to it for yeah, yeah. Years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But just to get here and reminisce on on some of the stories of the good old times that we had in racing, you know, is uh, you you can't get that in a on a corner street, you know. I mean, it's just to sit here and talk to someone that's been in the sport for thirty five years and and supported the sport with with his life, it's very rewarding to me that you guys thought of thinking about me to come out here and spend two hours of your time just to hear about the good old days. And, and you're not going to mother us for no food? I'll wait till you leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll let you guys feel like a crew chief feels. Yeah, there you go. As soon as you walk away, yeah, that like, son of a bitch didn't feed us. if I had a better yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> so. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder radio. Welcome to yet another edition of Dinner with Racers, the 2020 edition. I'm Sean Heckman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And uh, as many of you have been tweeting and emailing over the last several months, yes, we did in fact record some podcasts. During the month of June, we had a very narrow window of time between when things were sort of starting to open up and before the racing season got into really high gear. So we we had a six-week window where we went on a 15,000-mile road trip in six weeks to bring you some podcasts, to bring you some TV shows. And speaking of which, we got to meet with yet another NASCAR personality who uh, we are both big fans of because uh, he's one of these behind the scenes guys who is bigger than life and many people outside of NASCAR may not know this. Now, if your name is Slugger Labby, you don't get that name on accident. That's a name you get for a reason. So we could have been more excited to sit down with Mr. Slugger Labby, or as Sean likes to call him sometimes, Slugger Labay. Right, absolutely, yeah. Mr. Slugger Slugger Labay. So Slugger is a, is is kind of a throwback character. Uh, he was a crew chief in NASCAR during sort of the the heyday of the last few decades. Uh, he's he's worked for all kinds of teams from Yates to Waltrip to you name it, and. Slugger likes his job, so we're not going to say anything other than he was somebody who was very known for creative interpretation of the rules. If you watched our Amazon Prime Season 1 video we did about Mr. Smokey Eunuch, you might recognize Slugger Labby's name. We met him very briefly to discuss Smokey Eunuch and how the NASCAR rulebook works, and within about 30 seconds he gave us three different stories that we thought, okay, we already know he's great, but we got to get this guy in the podcast. So we were really excited to be able to join him at his home and uh, sit by the pool and talk some shop. Now, it's worth noting that Slugger does have a current job. Uh, he's working at sort of a more executive level for a major 
NASCAR manufacturer. And so if there's one thing we learned during this sit down, it said, I think Slugger likes his job because he is more than happy to tell you some stuff. But um, a lot of that was off the air. Yeah, my favorite thing he told us that was off the air was when he. Oh, remember the uh, the. Uh... And like I literally my jaw hit the floor when he told us a story that was about. And then he reversed it. And that's how he help him get the win. But in any case, we're sure you'll like the episode that we're putting out that maybe doesn't include some of those stories. Now, getting to Slugger Labby's house was super simple because it's not too far from my home in Atlanta. So we were able to drive right up there in my beautiful 2020 Acura MDX A-Spec. And of course, it was filled to the brim because that's how you fill your car up with oil. You fill it all the way to the top and you clap, you, you like really squeeze the cap down so none spills out. And so we were able to top it off with our brand new partner, Valvoline, the original motor oil. Valvoline. And uh, Sean, I'm gonna set you up this time. I want you yeah. to sell, sell me Continental Tires, our main sponsor, sell me. You either tweet Continental or we don't do this anymore. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna drive 15,000 miles in around a month's time, who better to have drive you than Mark Martin? Have you guys seen that poster episode on Amazon? Once again, so much thanks to you guys for continuing to support our sponsors, Continental Tire, Valvoline, and Acura. Thank you for everything you're doing for us to keep us out there on the road, even during a pandemic, because that's for what you do. Slugger Labby. Enjoy. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. All right, let's just jump right into it. All right. All right. Have you seen the show that you were on with us? Have you seen your episode? Part of it. Oh, okay. Part of <laughs> it, Fast yeah. forward to you and you're like... No, no, no. <laughs> I started watching it, and then I get sidetracked, went back, watched a little bit more, but I have not watched the whole thing at, at one time. Okay. That is yeah. fair. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. You were very well received by our fans. Oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, we talked to you in the middle of a grass field at a Best Buy parking lot. Right. Yeah. Uh, about this time last year <laughs> yeah. uh, to talk about Smokey Eunuch, and uh, we wanted to talk to you. Now, you and I go back uh, probably in a dark time for both of our careers, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, but but I thought you would be perfect because not that Smokey was a cheater. He was a gray area exploiter, but you also have a little bit of a reputation for that. Aggressiveness. Aggressiveness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it's, and I've always made it clear to everyone, it's not cheating. Sure. It's performance advantage. Yes. That's what everybody races for. Right. If you're a racer, right. you're looking for an advantage. Yeah. Right. And you have a rule book. Yeah. Most everything has a rule book. Yeah. And you just got to work your way through it. And that's one thing that... I learned at an early age is just try to take advantage of everything that you can because everyone's equal. Mm -hmm. And then you, if you build a better race car and you have a better driver, then you're going to have more success. So yeah. I just tried to make sure that uh, when we prepared race cars that we had the best race car that we could prepare, yeah. you know. And I think that's why, like, when we went speedway racing with Michael Walter, I, I honestly thought uh, myself and Tony Jr. and Tony Sr. had the best race cars. Yeah. We were aggressive. We knew the rules. We understood the rules. We talked about the rules. And one thing that I also learned is that if you show up at the racetrack and you have a part that's questionable, you better have a damn good story right. to work your way out of it. And none, when an official says, hey, what is, what is what this is part? Right, Don't right. go, uh, well, uh, uh, right. you have a story already right. thought out, exactly. a plan in place. A Your car chief knows what's to, what to say, what right. to do. And yeah. all those guys I always said was, hey, I got to get slugger. 
You know, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be pissed that you found that. You know, I got to go get Slugger, but no, right. uh, but no, having a good team that could help you lay down the groundwork of mm-hmm, why, right. and then when you get there, you you give the answers. Yeah, and it's no BS. Like this is yeah. well, it is BS, but right. you, you had a good story. There's no bullshit about right. your bullshit. Yeah. Right, right, right. You had a good story and a good plan that uh, you know you. I'll tell you a funny story. One time, yeah. (laughs) So I was in an appeal process for NASCAR. (laughs) I like that. We started already. I got busted. Yeah, I got busted. Um, What year was this? Oh, it was when I worked for Robert Yates. It was I don't know. Shit, I forget what year it was. But uh, anyway, we had a rear sway bar that we modified on Dale Jarrett's car, and it was a torsion bar. Mm -hmm. And of course, you tried to tell him it wasn't torsion bar. <laughs> so, anyway, I went to the appeal process, and it was Lynn St. James, oh, oh, okay. Buddy Hackett, who owns uh, Caraway Speedway, yeah. and one other person. I forget who it was. Anyway, went through this whole deal, and, man, I swear, I, I gave a good story. Lynn St. James, she started crying. And, I mean, it, it, I was like, damn, I got this. You know, I got yeah, her. You right, know, I was right, thinking right. the whole time. And right there towards the end of it old mike helton comes up and puts his feet on the desk and says hey what's going on how's it going i said oh hell i'm screwed yeah but uh (laughs) so anyway an hour later they debate and they come back in there and uh we do the whole deal and and sure enough i get suspended for four weeks and and and, uh lynn st james i gave her a hug i told her thanks and everything and then buddy hackett goes hey uh my son races late model. Can you can you come try that on my car? You know, that's pretty smart. So yeah. I was thinking, damn, okay, but yeah, it's just uh, you know, you, you got to be innovative mm-hmm. and you know, not bashing NASCAR where they're at today. It's be, you know they're trying to stop us from eating ourselves up, mm-hmm. and uh, it was fun in my time, yeah, to be aggressive and try to outsmart the people beside you yeah, and racing right. around you, but. Uh, now with the rules the way they are and the points penalties and and the monetary fines. Yeah. I mean, hell, I paid $250,000 for a legal frame rail, you know, and that hurts. That's out yeah. of your pocket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes you realize, like, ooh, geez, that's probably a little aggressive. So that's one of the things that surprised me about NASCAR. When you guys get fined, the crew chief gets fined, it's supposed to come out of your end, and – they don't budget like i mean i'm sure that there is a budget there but like how much money do you lose how much does slugger lose when you get a fifty thousand dollar well it's circumstantial because if the owner or the team manager knows about it yeah and they say yeah Yeah, let's try to do that then they'll help you out yeah Yeah. uh but if you just kind of like go in at midnight and do some to your car Uh and they don't know about it you get caught yeah it's like well Okay. Okay. You want to come back racing, you got to pay this fine. Yeah. That's always yeah. what I've been led to believe in terms of the structure. Yeah. Is that kind of the commonplace rule among crew chiefs? If, like, I think the team it's fair. knows about it. And, okay. Yeah. I think yeah. it's fair. Like, yeah. when I worked for Ray Everham, I mean, he wanted to know everything. And, like, he truly like, look, if you do something illegal and you get caught, it's terms for, you know, replacement. So yeah. you yeah. had to be up and honest with uh, with Ray. Right. And, and Ray was all about being aggressive and finding <laughs> advantages. Well, yeah. he was also such but, a great Houdini about throwing your distraction over here right. so that you weren't looking at this. So I'm sure yeah. he'd be a good guy to go off So of. it was, right, right. it's just, uh, I guess, making everybody aware of what's going on. But, yeah, I, I didn't always do that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say NASCAR is trying to stop you guys from eating yourselves, is that basically like it's getting to be so – is that a, like expense thing because you guys are going to the nth degree of, of spending money to find performance? Well, you know, because back in the day it was always the crew chief that kind of led the direction of – Hey, let's go work on this, work mm-hmm. on that. Now, in today's world, it's all engineering based, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, so this year in NASCAR, they put a freeze on no more part submissions, okay. uh, things like that. Your chassis are locked in mm-hmm. because teams were just 
coming up with all these crazy ideas and all these crazy things that NASCAR couldn't keep up with them. Sure. So they finally said, you know what, we got the next-gen car coming. Everything is frozen for 2020. Oh, so they really do have like a sports car style homologation where you have to submit your components of the car you and they do. say it has to be this yeah. exact spring yeah. that you that's, said it was. That's been be. in a way that's been in the rules for for a couple of years now. Oh, I didn't okay. know that. Yeah, sure. so okay. you get you got to submit a drawing and then a, uh, mm-hmm. a CAD drawing, then you got to right. submit a, a SLA part, and then you actually got to give them a part, and yeah. they have it. So when, like like IMSA, right? It doesn't look like this. Why? You're out. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. I don't want to make this a car racing talk, but <laughs> yeah. um, but but. Uh, and you can't speak for anybody that's not you, but a guy like I, I've always been of the belief that a guy like Cole, who all three of us have previously discussed a, a huge admiration for, I'm of the belief that to put in the kind of work and intensity that he probably put in when you're dealing with such marginal, marginal numbers and gains becomes not fun anymore because you can't, you don't have the playground you used to, but you're still putting in the same amount of effort. I don't feel bad for Cole. Hell, he owns a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sh- <laughs> I, he told me one day he said uh he said if I, he told me one day i was doing an interview for mrn i was interviewing cole is in yeah. michigan and when i got all done he said if i had your money i would burn mine <laughs> and that son of a bitch owns a mountain and i live out in enochville north carolina i mean what the hell i totally got used up on that but but i can really i i can understand where cole's coming from right of, yeah it's just not fun no more. Yeah, right. right. You know? right. But is that, a, is that a product of the, the the size of the sandbox, so to speak? That it's just so narrow now. But it's not like your hours are less as a no, result. They're so, more. Yeah, and, they're and more. you're now working on you're working that much harder for something that much smaller of a gain. It, I have to imagine that's infuriating. It just eats at you. You know, yeah. it eats at you, eats at you. And you know, for me, I knew when it was time for me. I woke up at Bristol uh, on Sunday morning, race morning uh, in April, and I called my wife and I said, "This is it." Yeah. I don't feel like doing this no more. Yeah. You know, there's no drive. There's no energy. You just yeah. like you're going through the motions. Right. You know, and uh, and we had failed inspection seven times that day <laughs> <laughs> in the rain. Oh, hang on. You know, so <laughs> I had a feeling yeah. like that morning it was leading up. You know, and yeah. it was just like God dang. And you just know that it was enough. And yeah, right. Fortunate for me, my last race as a crew chief was number 500. Oh wow, you that's know? cool. So yeah, I didn't even yeah, know yeah. that, but. Yeah. Uh, but to uh, find out later that, hey, I hit a milestone of 500. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. So now you're, just to set some background, now you work for TRD. What is your current position there? Yeah. So uh, my title is Engineering Manager Vehicle Support. Yeah. So basically for all the, the NASCAR series, the ARCA series, um, I do a little bit with IMSA and drag racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that TRD offers up. I just make sure that I try to make sure that the teams are aware of it yeah. and make sure that they're utilizing everything that we offer up. So it's from uh, SMT data to live pictures to uh, Internet at the racetrack, mm-hmm. simulation programs, just a lot of tools that we provide to the teams. I mean, it's endless, the things that we do for our teams, yeah. but uh, we just make sure that all the teams are utilizing what we offer up and a lot of times i'll go to the races nascar races on a weekend and i'll just go from holler to holler to holler mm-hmm. to see what's on this screen what's on that screen go up on top of the truck see if they're using our tools that we provide and if they're not using them i try to have interjection mm-hmm. um and you know cole and james were the best because they were honest you know the, well this is good this is and this is what you should look at you know and right. uh, so it's a neat part of my job i get to see a lot of different crew chiefs mm-hmm. engineers spend time with them uh, a lot of them ask for advice and, and, you know, just because I've been around for so long. Uh, and the cool thing for me is I do a lot of NHRA racing as well. Yeah, right. And hell, I'm a dumb <laughs> kid. You know, I think the first time <laughs> I think I went, the first time I went to the line, I pissed my pants. You know what I mean? It just, I was like, Ooh, I peed, you know, yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, cause that stuff is intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I, yeah. I just had to learn so much 
and it's like I was starting over. Well, have you ever been? Because I assume with NASCAR schedule, like you yeah. don't get to see. Other I stuff. probably had went to two, three events, you yeah. know, and just drinking beer, watching, and having sure. a good time. Right. But uh, to actually like, hey, you're in charge of NHRA series, and just to learn that. I learned really quick that I needed to pay attention, ask a lot of questions, and listen to the smart people. Right. And uh, and I tell that to a lot of kids, interns that are coming in, or young engineers, young mechanics. Man, use the people around you. Yeah. Ask ask questions. Don't ask dumb questions, but just spend time with the people that have been here in, in the ranks, mm-hmm. uh, in the pits, and in the ditches that know the ins and outs. So, yeah, drag racing is just nuts, and I learn more every day, and it's just phenomenal yeah. what that is all about. So at what point did you start doing the NHRA stuff for TRD? Uh, so I've been there two and a half years, okay. closing in on three years. So yeah. we're sitting here in 2020, and you did, as you said, 500 races as a crew ch- or yeah. just a NASCAR, yeah. and you're still asking questions and learning at it's this nuts. point in your career. It's nuts, yeah. yeah. So so if you're a young kid straight out of engineering school. Who knows everything. Who already knows everything. Yeah. And here I'm talking to Slugger Labby, and he's like, no, I'm still learning all the time. So that's that's the lesson to be you learned right to. there. Yeah. yeah. And in NASCAR, you know, it changes every day. There's so many rules and, you know, this affects that. And if you don't do this, then you'll get this result. And there's right. so many things. And, you know, to watch the teams come in and use our simulators and look at their setups and what they're doing, how they're getting there, how this team is going at this approach, this team is at that approach. And, you know, pitch strategy and pitch selection. I mean, everything is an art. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. You just don't walk to pit picks and say, uh, pick pits and say, I want pits all six, you know. Yeah. There's an art to everything. Everything that we do, everything is criticized, everything is critiqued, and, um, you know, and even if you pick a good pit stall, you're going to get crucified sometimes from your driver because he doesn't like it or the owner. Right. Right. Uh, the PR people say it's not in front of the suites. I mean, there's just always <laughs> something. You know, there's right. always something. But right. uh, No, but I, I do learn a lot every day, and, and that's what drives me every day still to get up. But yeah. uh, the thing that's neat about today is the pressure is just turned off. Okay. You know, where, yeah. where you're a crew chief, you wore this big old target on your back, yeah. man, and you just, man, you always looked around like, what the hell's going on behind me? You right. know, and uh, right. now I'm here to support crew chief chiefs and teams and this role is perfect for me mm-hmm. how much of your own schedule and travel do you get to dictate uh it all depends i i always tell everyone i go where the fires are yeah you right, know right, so right. uh in uh in drag racing there's a lot of fire a lot of flames so uh, i've been spending a lot of time <laughs> with that because i want to learn you know yeah, yeah. uh so typically what i would do is go to a nascar event like thursday friday and then fly out saturday and then go drag racing on sunday mm-hmm. uh or sometimes saturday and sunday drag racing but uh i do do a lot of traveling but but it's um it's helping others, and I really enjoy that role. But I get to pick and choose uh, where I want to go most times. Yeah. Uh, Andy and David Wilson are, are really uh, – they appreciate the role that I'm in, and they really give me my distance to do what I feel needs to happen to support the team. Yeah. So uh, with them, uh, with those guys as my bosses, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Well, TRE seems to be struggling lately, so <laughs> – just uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it goes in cycles, you know. Yeah, you but, guys uh, are killing it. Yeah. Yeah. These are good. Everything yeah, yeah, yeah. goes in cycles, <laughs> but yeah. But uh, we need to get more wind flags for sure. Yeah. So, um, Toyota being the latest manufacturer to come into to NASCAR at the Cup level, obviously it's a Japanese-owned company, but TRD is based now, I think, in Costa, Costa Mesa. Mesa. Yeah. Um, when Toyota first showed up, you being a you know longtime NASCAR regular, were were you ever of the opinion like, oh, well, that's not an American manufacturer? And it really doesn't belong here because that's obviously like the the common theme when you, when people talk about Toyota because now you're like you literally work at TRD yeah you know and no I think in 2000 I think it was 2007 when they came in yeah. there was like 55 cars every week you know and uh, I, I think my first impressions were like wow they're going to come in here and, and really kick everyone's ass and and they struggled yeah you know what I mean so yeah. they were human right and right. Uh, you know appreciate the 
people coming in supporting NASCAR and 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 really they raised the bar after a while they you sure. know they went to work rolled up their sleeves and and that's David David Wilson's motto was like look hey if we get behind we're going to roll up our sleeves and put our heads down and go to work right. and, and you know that's that's to me that that is the only way to be but I will tell you this no not going into great detail about Toyota but you know for the last seven years I worked for Chevrolet and not knocking anybody mm-hmm. but. You know, I, I felt good when we ran in the top five, top ten, because it it's tough, yeah, you know. Yeah. And and I walked into Toyota, and after being there two days, I walked into Andy Gray's office, and I said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I said, you guys offer up all this to the teams. I said, it's no wonder why you guys dominate, you know. And yeah. they're, they're just really serious about racing. Yeah. And they don't care about second place. Right. They right. want to win. Yeah. That is That is the number one goal. And they don't have all kinds of money like everyone thinks. They just have the right people yeah. working on the right things. Well, it seems like they kind of fostered that cultural shift that's more commonplace in open wheel and sports car where it's the information comes from a centralized manufacturer that kind of distributes out to the teams, whereas in my understanding of NASCAR 10, 20 years ago was much more about the individual team building their own sure. stuff. Yeah. You know? so. but, but the thing is about Toyota, though, is not, not to go on, but yeah. it's okay. <laughs> their, their their motto is is like we don't release anything that's questionable and what i mean is garbage in garbage out yeah. so if you give the teams a false arrow report mm-hmm. or a tire report or whatever it may be yeah if you're feeding that computer garbage you're going to get garbage out yeah. so they are really really stringent to make sure that any report or anything you say is a hundred percent where I can't say that's always been the case for some other places that I've been where yeah. it's 50, 60%. Well, we got to go because it's a performance gain, and then the part fails. Right. You know, so right. they're really, really stringent to make sure before they release anything, it's 100%. And, and kudos for them because yeah. that, that's, not, that's not easy to do because if you know it's better and you've got to wait another month to release it, yeah. that's hard to sit on that. But they have, you know, their protocols in place where they, they check all the boxes before they release it. So interesting. Yeah. No, I was definitely. surprised at that when I got there. but Yeah. Uh, different I, culture I, I, when you work for a race team versus supporting race teams. Right, yep. right. Yep. Because of that role, have you seen anything outside, like from another team that you were surprised by now that you're allowed to go in their haulers and, and hear some of their things? You're like, I didn't think that was the case. Well, you see a lot of different things for sure from different different uh, people. But yeah. I'll tell you, like when I first walked in the door at TRD, everyone knew me, f- mm-hmm. of course, from being in the sport. And they kind of looked at me funny and everything, you know, for <laughs> for a little bit and, you know, uh, a month later, I got to be good friends with a couple of the guys, and they're like, "Man, the first week you were here, they were like, that son of a b- just coming in here, going to take all our information and leave.' And you know, and, and and the whole time I'm like, "Dude, I love this job. This is this is me, you know." And but they were really questioning, sure. you know, Andy, Andy and David hiring me to come in there to assist them because yeah. they really thought that. I might just come in, get all the information, and yeah. walk out the door. Yeah, right? your name right. is literally uh, Slugger. Like yeah, it's right. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I've I've got a lot of good friends that work at TRD now that uh, we've we've become close with, and yeah. uh, they they understand that I'm a racer and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm here to help the teams win races. So yeah. yeah. So my experience with you was that you don't really suffer fools too well. <laughs> um, I don't know why you let us here, but yeah. uh, and and. Like in the TV world, you know, the, the fools that are usually suffered are, are the suits, yeah. the network guys and stuff like yeah. that. And I assume in OEM, the suits would be guys like you. Yeah. Do you have a, a change sympathy for that? Because in my mind, you are now a suit in yeah. the sense that you're, you're, right. you're wearing the polo. No, one thing you can't do is, like if a crew chief makes a bad call on Sunday, you can't come in and say, well, well, I'd have done it this way. Right. Because right. you'll be outside looking in, you know. Yeah. And I just try to put a different spin on everything and try to give a positive approach and... You know, uh, we try to write reports of, 
you know, how the two car won the race or how the 19 won the race. Mm -hmm. And so when we, or the, how this guy finished fifth. So when we go back to Pocono in six weeks, they know exactly what happened yeah. instead of sitting there watching it on TV, you know? So we just tried to, Hey, next time you go to Pocono, think about this strategy or yeah. next time we go to Andy, think about this strategy. Right. But man, I'll tell you that I, I hated it when I was a crew chief and you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're, you're a driver, you know, yeah, and yeah. you're going to do stupid. Shit. I mean, yeah. it just happens on TV. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, Man, why did he get two tires? I'd have got four tires. You know, well, sh you know, it's part of the game, yeah, you know. And, yeah. uh, and in today's world, it's got it, you know, yellow comes out. It tells you two tires, four tires, stay out, you know. So it's all yeah. generated uh, with AI. So, it's, oh, so uh, you actually have like a simulation program running. Yeah, all oh, the time. Oh, so okay. it, it'll tell you like, yeah. you know, AI says do this. And, right. Whew, you know, and that when I was at RCR, that was just coming out where, you know, the yellow come out and you have this green, hey, yellow, two tires or green four tires i mean it, it spelled everything out for you and yeah hell me being a dumb kid from maine i didn't want to believe that you know <laughs> right. and, yeah i couldn't, I yeah. couldn't see having yeah. a lot of faith in that right? and sometimes i took the approach i want to prove that thing wrong you yeah know? Right. And, uh, <laughs> and uh but you know it's just the mindset it's it's because it's change and yeah. it's yeah. you have to adapt to the change because in today's world there's so many smart people working behind the scenes yeah supporting crew chiefs drivers and teams yeah that man you you better use them if you don't you'd be on the outside looking in yeah you know it, it's been a goal of mine to enlighten sports car racing fans that might think NASCAR is primarily rednecks turning left and how hard can <laughs> it be. And so when we get to hear things like that and we've been to shops and things like that, and you see the amount of technology behind how, how many engineers did we learn was on a Hendrick car? It was like that's 45. Yeah, yeah. yeah. something ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. okay, yeah. So yeah. you guys are all idiots that can yeah. just turn yeah. left and no. <laughs> it's but it goes back that what you just said goes back to the point of the next gen car. NASCAR's yeah. trying to stop us from eating ourselves from the inside yeah. out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, talk about technology, like going to drag racing world, right? These guys go straight for three and a half seconds, and, yeah. and here's this, this kid working for Toyota coming in trying to say, "Hey, think about this." And they're like, "What the hell do you know?" You know right, what I mean? So, right. but I try to make sure I use my people. Yes, the yes. engineers, the smart guys mm -hmm. uh, that work for TRD have good conversations and put you know good plans in, in play to come up with more performance so right. uh sometimes that's a struggle right yeah. so um like like i talked about of when the, when the lights come on in the pit you know take two tires or four tires i, I would sometimes go against it just to do it and mm -hmm. sometimes in drag race they do the same thing yeah. so yeah but you gotta earn your you gotta earn your way too, yeah exactly you know? the you respect comes guess and keep getting yeah, it wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know it comes with respect and time yeah. so yeah yeah we're not exactly drag racing experts, but I assume they're in that similar sort of perception challenge that NASCAR has, because as I understand it, NHRA has a rule about no electronic components in the engine. There is Correct. some. It's okay. limited. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I assume the the technical side to get to building those mechanical components in terms of R&D and simulation and whatnot is probably still at a crazy advanced level. It, it is advanced, but yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, everyone has pretty much the same electronics, Okay. Mm -hmm. but there's just a lot of other things that go with it. Got okay. it. So. Yeah, yeah. That's like enough said right there, right? That's my house. Like, yeah, I yeah. know shit yeah. I ain't telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So you're originally from Maine. I am. And a Yankee coming down to live in North Carolina. <laughs> How, how'd that first – was there any culture shock for you back then? Or the, Well, the good thing for me is um, – so how it started for me was in 1984. I was just a punk in school, yeah. and my dad was always gone racing. He worked uh, for Dick McCabe. They were running the Bush North Series, and – Man, my whole childhood years, my dad was gone on the weekends. And finally, I went to a race with him because I always wondered where he was. And I kind of kind of got hooked on him. The first race I went to with my dad, they won at Thunder Road in, in Barry, Vermont. I said, man, this is pretty cool. So anyway, long story short, I started helping a guy named Kelly Moore 
which is a, he was a Saturday night racer at Oxford Plain Speedway. And I probably went to the last 10 races. And we ended up winning the championship. And um, that night we won the championship, we were in the tech room and tearing down the car. They was like, they pulled us in the garage, slammed all the doors, closed the windows and all that stuff. And next thing you know, a freaking hammer comes through the window. <laughs> and then I was like, what the hell is that? You know, because you hear glass break. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it comes a rule book on fire. <laughs> Somebody had lit a rule book on fire. And I'm thinking, this NASCAR sh- for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, is uh, one of the competitors thought we had illegal rear end housing, and we may or may not have had, but um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he got pissed because we they announced we won the championship, yeah. and he and they had lit a rule book on fire and threw it in. So anyway, after, uh, after the hammer, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, in what would basically be like the K and N series yeah. now, yeah, like not top level right. cup racing, just yeah. local stuff. So then, so Kelly Moore, he goes Bush North Racing, and then he. He dabbles in the South, you know, mm-hmm. the combination, North-South combination events. And we had went to quite a few of them in 87. And I think in 1988, man, it's been so long ago. And we're talking about 1988 for the Christ's <laughs> sakes. But, uh, you know, we had gone to some combination races, I think like five or six of them. Yeah. And um, we had we had been pretty successful. And I had become friends with uh, Scott Marty Houston, Andy Houston, mm-hmm. uh, Teddy Brown, some others, uh, Steve Bird, uh, all, the, all those guys from yeah. the South and became friends with them and, uh, I'll never forget it. We went to, we were a Bush North team. We went to uh, IRP, which is ORP now, yep. and uh, for the for the Bush South race, and we sat on the pole. Huh. So this Northern car yeah. shows up. Yeah, we sit yeah, on the pole at Indy, right. and they are pissed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they throw the green flag, and they, excuse me, they black flagged <laughs> us for jumping the star of the race. Oh, right. And I'm thinking. I love it. You know, I'm going south racing, you know. It's like I always seem to be around controversy, you know, and I was like, hell, I'm moving south. I love this <laughs> So, anyway, we, we go on a few more weeks, and yeah. then uh, we race the Oxford 250 in Maine. So, all the southern cars come to Maine. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was just before the race, I walked up to Scott Houston. I said, hey, man, I said, uh, you guys going back tomorrow? He's like, yeah. I said, well, you got room for a package to send back to North Carolina? He's like, yeah. He said, what is it? I said, me. Yeah, I'm hopping in. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm, I've had it. I said, I'm, I want to move south. I want to I want to go to work. He's yeah. like, sure. So whatever, we meet. I go home, wake up my parents, and, you know, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, hey, I'm leaving in the morning. I grabbed $1,000 cash, and away I went and uh, started my career in the south. That was your plan. That Well, it just worked That's out. Awesome. I finally got yeah, yeah. You finally. It, yeah. it did, it yeah. did okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, how's your pool? I don't, right? own, I don't own a mountain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I moved south, and my first race with Tommy Houston we go to South Boston Speedway and we win. Oh wow! And I'm thinking, son of a, bitch, this is this is all right. I'm you good know? at this. Yeah, no, I just got lucky. You know what I mean? I just I didn't do shit. I didn't know. I was just trying to fit in. So, right, right. Uh, but to, but to win in my first race in the South, I was like, man, this is pretty good. So, uh, to be a young kid from Maine, you yeah. know, uh, in the wintertime, working on race cars, looking outside the window and looking at snowbanks. Yeah. Uh, to get the chance to go to Daytona and all these other events right, and. Right. Uh, uh, you know, for me, when I was fortunate enough to win the Daytona 500 with Michael Waltrip in 2003, and all I could think about was, here's this young, dumb kid from Maine that just won the biggest race of the year, yeah, you know, and yeah. like, go Maine. And that's all I could think <laughs> of is like, yeah. you know, all the racers back home yeah. that, that give their, you know, they, they work at night, they sweat their ass off, they give their, you know, hell, they'd rather not eat instead of go race, you yeah, know, and yeah. uh, just to, to win those races. But, you know, to be in the sport for – 34 years now mm-hmm. uh, 1100 and something races in nascar yeah. it's just man it's been a good grind but it's uh it's a grind yeah and uh you know i i gave my life to nascar uh, i love the sport and i still love the sport today yeah. when you were doing that first year uh where the guy threw the hammer through the window and all that how much are you getting paid on those at those race weekends oh, 
Nothing, man. Oh, wait, all, whoa, whoa. what do you yeah. mean? You're yeah. just working for the love yeah, of the sport? It was volunteer, no, so. No, so that doesn't add yeah, up. Yeah, man. you got to have yeah. money, right? But you yeah. had some sweet, sweet yeah. Instagram photos, though. Yeah. Oh, no. We didn't have what? that back then. What? Uh, yeah. No, we had MySpace yeah. back then, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my dad worked on race cars all his life yeah. at night. He never got paid a dime. Yeah, because it, it was a hobby. It was a passion. Yeah. No, you're a racer. Yeah, we're right. You yes. were a racer. Yes. Yes. That was it. Exactly. But there was no illusion of, I need to get paid for this, or I'm doing it so I can impress my friends with photos. I'm not going to clean the floor because I want to be the guy wrenching on the motor or driving the Car. Yeah, yeah. You just do what you got to do to go race, right? I'll never forget. In, in uh, 1995, I went to work for Hendrick Motorsports on the five car. I had mm-hmm. worked for Terry and Bobby Labonte prior to that, yeah. and I'd done some cup races, you know, changing tires and stuff. But when I went to work for Hendrick, they asked me to go over the wall and change tires. It was an honor. Yeah, you know, I got picked over everybody else. I didn't ask how much money am I getting paid. Right. right. How we get into the racetracks? Do I get my own room? I, yeah, right. That, those questions were never asked. I was like, hell yeah. yeah I don't care. I get to go it's do it. It's an honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and by the when you're done pit practicing, get your ass back in the shop, set that car up, because <laughs> we have to load up in an hour. Yeah, you know right, what I mean? So right. uh, that's where it's different today, where everyone is just like, I change tires. That's that's, that's all I do. That's it. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I build rear windows. That's all I do. I mm-hmm. put crush panels in. That's all I do. And that's just the sport is so you know individualized that that's that's you're a specialist at what you do and you yeah. don't have to do uh, back in the 90s you did whatever it took to get that car back on the truck yeah right? you know right. so it's just it's different yeah there's a couple of themes that we always seem to come across all the time we haven't heard the first theme yet uh we'll get but i'm sure we'll find it um <laughs> the the second theme is always in every this is every parent's sports nightmare but i didn't hear a backup plan I, yeah, I didn't hear like, well, if in, this doesn't happen in a year, I'll move back or I'll, you know, like you just said, I'm going to figure it out when I get there. No, you, you can ask any one of my guys that's ever worked for me. Yeah. I've always told them to focus forward. Yeah. Never look back. Yeah. Always focus forward. And that's been my goal ever since I was young is just like, you know, don't don't cry over spilled beans. Focus on how you're going to pick up that mess, you know, and just focus forward. And I tell all the young kids because, you know, I deal with a lot of young kids in the Toyota de- driver development plan and i just tell them you know look just stay focused forward and you know like in qualifying you you know if you mess up turn one you're not gonna make it up in turn three four five yeah, right. you're, you're gonna make it worse yeah right, right. so focus forward on the task at hand and and that's i didn't want no backup plan you know i was gonna make that work and you know when i moved to north carolina i didn't have a place to live i didn't have no income it didn't matter it's because i love nascar and i, I was gonna show everyone that i can do this and, you know, Tommy and Martha Houston put me up in their house. Uh, I worked for free for a while. They finally got um, Southern Biscuit as a sponsor. They put me on the payroll. I think I was making 350 bucks a week, and this yeah. kid was the happiest you were living guy life. ever. Yeah. I had yeah. cash in my pocket. I was yeah. like, yeah, look out, yeah. you know. Yeah. But but that's that's what it takes to get you to the top. you got to put in the effort. So effort equals results. We always heard that. And, um, you know, my dad told me the day I left, he said, you got two ears and one mouth, and I think you know how that goes, right? <laughs> Do twice the listening, half the talking. That's right. So, yeah, keep your mouth um, so uh, you know, I've been fortunate to work with some good crew chiefs with uh, Steve Bird, uh, Gary Dehart, yeah, Bob right, Labonte. Yeah. Yep. Bob was a monster. I love him, you know, and just many other crew chiefs. Scott Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was so many crew chiefs that, you know, the, when you're the leader, you're going to do things right in some people's eyes and mm-hmm. some things wrong in other people's eyes. And, you know, if I thought that, Bob Labonte, for example, did something wrong. I just, I went with it because you weren't going to change his mind. Yeah. Right. I just remembered, like, hey, if I ever get that opportunity, don't do that. Yeah, yeah right. You know what I mean? But meanwhile, yeah. you're not going to be so, a 23-year-old head. Like, right. yeah. You know what I would have done. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, like, you know, racked it up, like, okay, you know, yeah. he, he knows what he's doing, and, 
and again, when I was a crew chief, I didn't always do all the right right sure. stuff because people always told me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again, you got you got to believe in yourself and 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 believe in what you want to accomplish. So um, no no backup plan for me. I just I focused forward, put my head down, did the work, and said, man, I'm going to be successful one day. And uh, you know, I, my goal was when I left, it was eventually to become a crew chief and win Daytona 500. And fortunately for me, uh, yeah, 20 years of being a crew chief and, and winning Daytona two yeah. or three times has been pretty cool. Yeah. So you've got the uh, distinct reputation of working with several young drivers to help them kind of find their feet, the likes of Scott Speed, Austin Dillon, and then you worked with Jacques Villeneuve. How does that, how does that go, <laughs> dealing with the F1 world champion and the 500 winner? And not, I don't know him, but not, <laughs> yeah. he's not known for his open-mindedness on how to conduct. Yeah, like what was the, was, cult, was there a culture clash there at all? Like here's how we do it here, son, versus like. Have well, another I'm, beer. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean, Jacques's a great dude, right? Yeah. And and utmost respect for him, but it was a different different mindset. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're coming to NASCAR, Rednecks. That's yeah. what everyone thought yeah. of us. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget, we went to uh, Kansas Speedway to test with Scott for the first time in a truck, Bill Davis. And, you know, we had, at the shop, we had fit the seat all up and done all that stuff. Well, it's time to go practice. So Jacques walks out of the truck, and he gets inside, and he just sits in the seat, and he puts his hands up. <laughs> and, and everyone, <laughs> all my guys are standing there watching, and I'm, yeah. just, I'm yeah. just waiting. You know, I said, yeah. well, hey, Let him figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah right. Right. He's just holding so, his hands up in the air, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Ten yeah. minutes goes by, and I finally walk over, and I say, hey, bud. I said, uh. In NASCAR, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you're a big boy. I said, you do your own seatbelt. Yeah. Yeah. You put your helmet on. You put your gloves on, your Hans. You do all it. Plug in your radio. Do the radio yeah. check. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> it takes him like five. I mean, yeah. of course, if you've never really He's done literally it. literally never you're done it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Now, I've heard that story told, but yeah. not from anybody that was there. Yeah. So oh, it's I impressive it. to hear that it was real. Yeah, it was yeah. real as could be. Yeah. And not putting him down. He just didn't yeah, know. That's how it was for him. It's different culture. Right, right. So we finally get through all that. Yeah. And he starts the engine up. Tech the radio did all stuff. I'm like, all right, let's go back up. Nothing. Shuts it off. I said, hey man, what's wrong? He weighs me over. I said, uh, what? What's wrong, man? Where's reverse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, so makes sense. For, for me, I, I mean, I showed him where it was, yeah. but yeah. I learned a lot that day. Is like, okay, if you ever get the other opportunity to mentor a young kid. Yeah. Do this away from everybody else. Yeah, right, right. Set him in the seat. Go through this whole mm-hmm. – because, you know, at the end of the day, it's somewhat embarrassing. Yeah, and he's not just some he's a world kid. Champion. He's a big deal. Yeah. So this is a big so ego burn. I, yeah. I learned a lot where some of the guys were chuckling. I was mad at myself for not doing my job as a crew chief. Like, I, you know, I should have said, hey, here's reverse. Yeah, right. You know, we should have watched more film of, you know, this is how you restart. This is how you do pit road. I yeah. mean, there's so many things. Right. Uh, well, how did even – I mean, y- you can work with so many pros over the years that you almost forget some of the things that you can forget or not know. Yeah, I mean, there's assume, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. assume they know, but, yeah. you know. But for me, that was a game changer because it, it gave me the mindset of these young kids, they don't know nothing. Right, and you right. want them to learn right the first time. Yeah. You know, and, and that's always been my goal is to spend time with the kids and, hey, you know, what don't you know? I know it all. Well, no, you don't. You don't know <laughs> hey, let's talk about this, this, and this, and go, and go through the whole deal. And right. you, you finally realize that, you know, it helps you – get a great relationship because they know they can come to you and ask questions where right. they might be embarrassed to go to the crew chief or the the other tire guy and ask questions so they come to you so there's a lot of times that kids just call me or text me and say hey what about this this or yeah. what about homestead or they ask questions because they value my you know my yeah. input and i give them an honest answer if they don't like it they know it's the truth yeah right you know and right. I'm, I'm a no 
bullshit guy and um that's hurt me in my career honestly because i've said some things probably that to car owners and drivers that i should, probably should have like sugar i, I said bit. it and i'm like damn why'd i say that you know what i mean nope. because we've all done that you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's part of life and I'll, I'll i'll contradict that by saying if i didn't witness some of those moments i don't know that we would be here <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, this is your <laughs> <laughs> almost didn't make it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, Jacques was uh, was cool. Another good story about Jacques. I'll tell you one more. Yes. Yeah. So the culture of F one, catering, food everywhere. Right, they right. got their own little thing. Yeah. So we pull into Kentucky Speedway to test. Of course, everybody tested Kentucky back in the day. Yeah. So we get there and he's like, "Where's the food?" I'm like. We don't have no food. We're, we're testing. We're in or out. Get out. I'm hungry. All right. So we jump in the car. We go across the street to the BP station. Yeah. <laughs> and you want the he, yeah. 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 It was like 45 minutes later. He finally walks out. I've done. I had a biscuit. And, you know, like, yeah, you're redneck. Shit, right. Yeah. You, you've eaten all your food. <laughs> you got grease run down your face. And um, he comes out like 45 minutes later. And he spent like $87. He's From got like all kinds of shit. Yeah. The BP yeah. station. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he goes in the trailer and takes a bite of the biscuit. This is shit. Throws it yeah. down on the ground. I mean, everything he everything he had was like, he didn't eat nothing because he's right. like, this is right. all, it's all shit to him. But, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the, the culture of, hey, this is NASCAR. We fly out at five. We test. We hurry up and go back home. Yeah. You know, it's just the way it was. But, yeah, he uh, when he came truck racing, he learned the NASCAR way really, really fast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah there's a couple of neat stories. But he's he's a great dude. He would give you all he's got. That's for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Could Would he ever listen to anybody about the fitting of his suits? <laughs> no, never cared. That's his thing. No, he, okay. did, he didn't give yeah. a shit. I mean, yeah, he yeah. just, that's him, and yeah. it, it is what, I mean, everyone made fun of it. Everybody gave me shit because of the way he looked, and I'm like, he's a world champion in F1. What are you? Yeah, right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> right. Let's go, you know. So. Kind of won the Indy 500, <laughs> whatever. Um, and, and then in regards to Scott Speed, who also came from that kind of world of success and also European rays and things like that, were there any similarities between the two? There was. You yeah. know, uh, back then I worked for Red Bull, and mm -hmm. my whole job was to mentor Scott. So if he yeah. went to an ARCA test, I went with him. We went yeah. to a truck test. I was a spotter. If he went to a, a cup test, I went with him. So, it, so even was, if it wasn't your program, it was sort of Red Bull yeah, paying just, you to go yeah, do this. I was, right. I was the guy that if Scott wants to know about this, he would ask me. You yeah. know, and Of course, he would spend time with the crew chiefs too, but I was also a spotter. So, man, Scott, he was he was aggressive. He was in the gas, didn't give a shit about nobody. He yeah. was just going to have a good time. And <laughs> We showed up at the coin one time for a um, uh, dirt race, ARCA race. Yeah. And on the way in, he's like, pull in, pull in the store. So we pull in the store. He comes out, and he bought a pair of overalls, <laughs> a straw hat. <laughs> good, good. Puts them on in the car and walks in the infield of the, of the coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or wherever the hell we were. Right, right. With all this. His, like, California interpretation. Yeah, of, right. yeah, yeah, like, right, yeah. like one strap over his shoulder, right. the other one hung out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was like. And, like, half the people, they're like, that's our way of yeah. life, asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool so, joke. So. I look like that. Yeah. So I had to, like, all right, Scott, no. <laughs> Let's we, down. we can't. We can't do this, you know. Yeah, right. So yeah, it was some of that stuff where he wasn't really, he just wanted to be, like, hey, look at me. Like, he painted yeah. his toenails and stuff. Right. I mean, yeah, F1 right. world, that's okay. NASCAR, yeah, yeah you get bashed for it. Yeah, you know? right, so, right. Well, and also earn it before right. you can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, win yeah. a bunch of races, you do whatever you want. Yeah. 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 I mean, if Tim Richmond did it, everybody would have done it, right? Yeah. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but he earned it. He's a bad he was winning yeah. races. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And everybody loved him. Yeah. So, you know, Scott Scott was good. He would he would drive the hell out of the and, and didn't care, yeah. you know, of uh, the Toledo deal with Ricky Stenhouse, you know, on the radio screaming, just let him go, let him go. Yeah. And, blinders oh, are you spotting for him yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah so oh wow yeah. that's awesome because okay. i was his like yeah i was the guy you yeah. know then with him so it's like 
dude, just let him go. You know, we got to finish seven spots behind him. That's it. Let him right, go. And right. Blinders on. Yeah. And this, and lost championship. You know, just because he didn't, he just he was he was gonna not let Ricky Stenhouse finish ahead of him. Right. Right. And uh, now that's you here in 2020, with a nice job and nothing on the line. Wait, were, was your mannerism the same then? I imagine you had some more choice words. Yeah, I've kind of mellowed out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So Scott, when that happened, this is a funny story, and, yeah. and a lot of people have told this, but I don't know if you've ever heard I it. I want your version of yeah, everything. So yeah. in, we're in Toledo, right? In that race. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've got the hood down there by the end of the show. I'll show it yeah. to you. Yeah, because we had Ricky on. And he talked about it a little bit, but yeah. obviously he told his side. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a crazy deal, but anyway. <laughs> so when you're in the infield of Toledo, like you're stuck there. Yeah, you yeah. can't get out. So. I'm spotting, and I can't get in. Right. And he, just at the stage, can, this, is, this is the ARCA finale. Yep. It's yeah. Stenhouse versus Speed. Yeah. For the championship. And, and Speed needs to finish like seven within spots seven behind. spots. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And he's a Red Bull junior at that point. Yes. And Stenhouse is a Roush junior, yep. basically. Yeah. So it's it's very much driver development. But the two clashing. mega stars of yeah. the series, right. that whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, great recap. You did good. Thanks. There you go. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, hey, Sean, great so, job. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. Pleasure. Good working with you. All right. So anyway. 150 episodes of practice. So this is like lap... 60, right? Yeah. It's early. Yeah. So Scott finally realizes that he's trapped in the infield. Okay. So the son of a bitch falls over. Boof. Acts like he passes out. Wait, 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 wait. He was stuck in the infield. Yeah, because he's has out of the no race. clothes. All he's got is yeah. his fire suit on. He's yeah. got nothing. Yeah. So he decides he's going to get out. He passes out. Like he faints, falls over. So they red flag the race. No way. Ambulance takes him out. Yeah. Yeah, watch the footage. Ambulance takes him out. Well, he just thought they were going to go to the infield, uh, the care center. Right. Hell no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> downtown. Yeah. If, you're, yeah. if you're in the ambulance, yeah. you're getting the ambulance treatment. They yeah. take him downtown yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. This, this all adds up. And I'm like, oh, my Christ. So, anyway, Amanda, his girlfriend, calls yeah. me and she yeah. says, hey, can you come get us? I'm like, where are you? I, I didn't know all this at the time. Yeah. I just knew that they stopped the race and I didn't know why. Yeah. Yeah. And come to find out after she called me, yeah, Scott, whatever, he did his deal. <laughs> and uh, so I pick him up like an hour after the race because I didn't have no way to get there. Yeah. So I pick him up, and he's in his fire suit sitting there <laughs> inside of McDonald's <laughs> waiting for me to pick him up. Like a little kid. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Yeah. Why Why I didn't take a picture, I don't know. Right, but, uh, right. But that just fits Scott's speed, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm stuck here. Watch this. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to yeah. go. I'm going to get my shit. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. It was just classic. you know. Wow. But, I mean, I could write a book one day of all the shit. I've been through, but yeah. man, it's uh, that was a classic where Scott just like, yeah, I'm gonna get out of here, and it didn't work. <laughs> so in terms of personalities, you have Jacques Villeneuve, you have Scott Speed, and on the exact other end of the spectrum, you worked with Paul Menard, yeah, who it, it, like it, the, the jokes about him are that he's just yeah. so yeah. you know just plain like across the board. So yeah. How was that? Like, was it hard to get to him, or was he? Paul was great because like when you got to the racetrack, or if he came by the race shop, or you got to the racetrack, he was all about racing. Yeah. If he was here today talking, you would say, he's pretty damn cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When he he got paid to race, and he understood he got one chance a weekend to race. Mm -hmm. And that was my mentality. Yeah. And he he was just focused. And, you know, I would say s stupid stuff to him just to try to get him to laugh and, <laughs> during the race or yell at him. And, <laughs> right, right. 10-4. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, when it comes to Paul Menard, I mean, one of my personal favorites is being an IndyCar guy um, who's watched the Menard brand uh, be part of so many IndyCar programs. To see Paul Menard win at the Brickyard, to me, was really, really cool to see. Um, and I, 
I don't know. How was that moment for you or, or for the family? You should have been there. It was awesome. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course I should have. He's <laughs> like, let me. I wish I could tell yeah. you. <laughs> no, it was a uh, it, it was a great day. You know, just like we talked about earlier, the Menards. They do so much for motorsports in general, and yeah. and to never win at Indy in their backyard, right? Uh, you know, it, it it wasn't easy. We didn't back into it by no means. I mean, Paul did a masterful job doing what we told him he needed to do to mm-hmm. manage fuel. That became yeah. a fuel race where basically yeah. you yeah. stayed out and yeah. And so yeah. basically, I, I forget the exact lap number, but you can run. I don't just say sixty-two laps, and we had to run sixty-nine. Yeah, you right, know, it right. was yeah. it, it was just, it was a big deal, difference. and I mean, we were running like three seconds off the pace, but just at that track, it was worked out because we yeah. knew. We knew exactly, but we didn't have computers to tell us all that. Right. I mean, it was like scratch pad, and you're ripping out of the engineer's hand, oh, no, this lap, and, you know, yeah. trying to figure it all out. But um, but just to, to turn them loose with two laps to go because Jeff Gordon's catching them with three seconds a lap, yeah. you know, and yeah. and he had saved enough fuel to get us to the end and do the burnout. I mean, it was just <laughs> it's like it's like what you want to have happen. Yeah, you right. know what I mean? Yeah, storybook. Yeah. So I, I would wish we would have won the race on performance. Just on beating everyone's ass. But yeah. sometimes when you're not having a good day, you have to use all the tools in your toolbox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've well, won, I've won a couple races on fuel mileage. Yeah. Still got the checkered flag, still got the check, still got Same. the trophy. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. don't matter. Yeah, yeah. You outsmarted yeah. everybody. Right. That's until, the way I look at it. Until you mentioned it, I didn't remember that's how, yeah. that's yeah. how he won. So well, and to me, as, he just won, yeah. it. He won yeah. the brickyard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so. as a race driver, it doesn't matter. If, I mean, if you're still the quickest guy to back off that much, you still won. being the best driver. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it was really That's cool. John was on the pit box with us, you know, and he was that? damn crying. And, you yeah. know, just as, as he should. I mean, he's a proud dad that his kid had finally won a NASCAR Cup race. Yeah. You know I mean? That, yeah. that is not easy. Yeah. I don't care who you are. And he had to beat know? Jeff Gordon to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and at the track that they yeah. have been so committed to. Right. Yeah. So, right. so uh, you know, and that was the, the proud part for me was uh, that was in 2001. We had just started a brand-new race team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and to win in our 11th 2011. race. Yeah, yeah. 2011. Yeah. 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 What did I say, 2001? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Different team. My head jacked up. <laughs> yeah. I told you 35 years is a long time. <laughs> but uh, 2011, to win that race with Paul was just – it's great because we started a brand-new team from nothing, hired a bunch of people, didn't have a truck, a toolbox, didn't have nothing in December, and then we built a winning team – 11 races in, you know, that was the big reward to be the leader. Uh, you know, I remember when I hired everyone, I, did, I took the same approach when I went to work at DEI in 2003. You know, Michael Waltrip was our guy, and the race before at Darlington, uh, I went to watch the race, and Michael and Steve Meal had gotten a fight during the race. I was listening on the radio. Well, after the race, Michael and Steve got in a big fight. And I knew the next morning I was taking over, so I had to come up with a good plan. So what I did was I made everybody stand in line at the race shop behind Michael, myself, and the rest of us stood in line. I said, look, if you want to go, now's your chance. If you don't, if you don't want to work for us, go. If not, get in line. So we all got in line. I took that same approach in 2011. I hired all these people, had Paul come to the shop. I said, we're all getting in line, supporting Paul, myself, Richard, and everybody else. If you don't want to be here, go. We don't want you. And – to win 11 races in, that was that was the reward. You know what I mean? For all the hard work and effort. And, and we had worked our ass off. And, you know, I, I'll never forget, we went to test in January at Daytona. We wrecked, you know, and, and killed a car. And it's like, we're behind before we even start, you know. So, but, um, no, just seeing the smile on, on Paul's face, um, just, just the reward and, and John being happy and hugging each other and just, you know, just a lot of history behind that family and to get him get to win a race and, Man, we, we run hard at night, I'll tell you that. I, I, I was sitting right back here yeah, at, yeah. at 4 o'clock in the morning, passed out, and my dog was licking me like, all right, you son of a bitch, let's go inside. It's <laughs> right. late. You know, I had passed out. But, 
uh, we had run hard because, you know, uh, my mentality is you don't know when you're going to win your next one, so enjoy it. Absolutely. So, uh, so, yeah. yeah. We yeah, so, the same cloth there. So we had run pretty hard, and uh, we didn't have a team function for winning that, but uh, we had some good rewards for sure. But, yeah. you know, but uh, away from racing, Paul was a great guy. We would go skiing. Uh, we would go out to Vegas uh, for the California Vegas mm-hmm. West Western Swing. And we would go skiing and do you know do some cool things with the guys and bonding and uh, myself and Richie Gilmore we went snowmobiling with Paul and John up in Wisconsin and mm-hmm. just really saw the different side of the Menards that people don't get to see and, right uh, that's why I say you know Paul people think Paul is stuck up or just to himself and when he's at the racetrack he might be appear that way but. When he's away from the scenes, yeah. awesome dude. The, yeah. the joke isn't so much stuck up or anything; it's yeah. much sort of characterless. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. just very plain. Yeah. yeah. Any? Yeah. Has he ever pulled any pranks? <laughs> so we were at a baseball game. We were testing in Kansas, and the 2019 and uh, the 2017. Yeah. 2011, we're testing in Kansas, and we're all going to go to a baseball game. So we go to a baseball game, and I'm like. I'm catching a ball. I'm going to get it. Is this like a, the AAA team that's nearby? No, it was, uh, it was no, like the Royals. Yeah, the Royals. Oh, okay, cool. Yep, yeah. so I'm like, Harvick got some tickets through Budweiser. We had great seats. I'm like, I'm getting a ball. I don't care if I get a ticket from a kid or his mother. I'm, t- I'm getting a you're ball. Gonna, you're going to stand in the outfield <laughs> and murder so, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sitting beside, I was in between Harvick and Paul, and they were feeding the beers to me. Like, <laughs> go figure. Easy enough. So i like, I got to go pee, right, in between yeah. innings. So I come oh, back. No. I got two more beers and come back. And Paul's holding the ball in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? He's like, man, as soon as you left, it popped up. And here, I caught it. <laughs> and the lady behind him goes, you should have seen it. He made a hell of a catch. It was great. Yeah. He got yeah. the ball. And yeah. I was like, motherfucker. So it yeah. went on for a while. There's like yeah. a picture of him yeah. holding it and everything. Yeah. Like, he, like he just caught it. I mean, yeah. they, they yeah. totally punked me. Yeah. And it was like, I was so pissed. I was mfing them and just cussing <laughs> them and it went on for days and then yeah. like, finally like the week later they finally come clean and said uh, yeah by the way i went as soon as you went to the bathroom i followed you went to the concession stand and bought a baseball yeah yeah and, br- and brought it back yeah they're like scuffing it, yeah, the yeah. it on the ground i was like man perfect play you know but everybody around was like yeah hell of a catch menard yeah. you know i was like god dang true story man god they got me bad that day mm-hmm. i was so awesome. pissed i'm like we're going home that's it i can't take it <laughs> yeah true story god yeah. dang yeah that's a good one yeah it was yeah can you confirm a story for us i'll try all right so <laughs> up until kenny Irwin, if i'm not mistaken in your timeline uh you'd been a, a car chief a car chief for rick hendrick and and with terry labani's program then yeah. you moved over to, to to yates and and you were working on on the 88 car and you were yeah. right front tire changer um there's a crew chief change for Kenny. Yeah. They put you in, and that's, that's your first big cup crew chief opportunity, correct? Uh, other than when I did it with Kenny on the 27 car. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, copy. Yeah. Um, first full-time deal. So the story, yeah. as we've heard it, is that Yates puts you to run the 28 car, and then like three days before the race, you uh, and Tom the, Todd Top Parrott on yeah. the 88 yeah, yeah. came to a realization on something. We did. What was that realization? We were flying to Atlanta. Yeah. To the race. To the race. Yeah. And I looked at Todd and I said, "Who's changing? Who's changing the right front tire for you?" Because you had been that doing was that. your job. I, I was the right. Fr- I was the front tire changer on the eighty-eight car. Yeah. Right, and I was the car chief, and I was the front tire changer. Yeah. I said, "Who's going to change your front tires?" And Todd turned white because <laughs> we just never. <laughs> no one thought about this. Yeah. When was the decision made? Two days before? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Maybe yeah. like uh, twelve hours before we left yeah. or something. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. But yeah. anyway. Because we were so busy getting right, cars right. ready, we never thought so about it. So it's like Thursday, you're flying to Atlanta. Yeah. The thing about Robert, though, is like, I'll get back to that story, but yeah, yeah. like when you got to the shop on Thursday morning, there was always another engine sitting in front of your car. Okay. Because with Robert and Doug, 
they had the mentality of if this engine is half a horsepower better, it's going in the car. Right, right. So you right. always knew when you got to work on Thursday, you were going to change the engine. Yeah, right, you know? So, right. so we were guys. like late getting to Copy. the airplane. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it is Yates. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. what Listen, they know for. They say, yeah. But there's yeah. always that crazy rush. Oh, shit, we got to put this new yeah. thing yep. in right, because right. Yep. we figured so out. So yeah. we were busy, okay. got on the airplane, and, and I was like, Todd, what are we going to do? You know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So anyway, Robert's like, well, hell, that's easy. You're going to do both. And I'm like... Wait, whoa, what, what? So you're going to cruise this, yep. this isn't 1970 <laughs> right, either. Yeah, this is 1998. <laughs> yes. And right. So you're going to crew chief, make the pit calls, keep everybody motivated the whole bit yep. on the 28. So I was, car. Yeah. I, was, I was stationed in the 88 pit box. Okay. And as the tire changer. As a tire changer. Yeah. And yeah. my right front or my front tire carrier was Kevin Stimbaris, who works at JGR now. He was my ears. Okay. I would listen to the 28 on my radio. Yeah. Kevin would listen to the 88, and he would tell me, hey, we're going to pit, we're going to do this, or whatever. And I was on the 28 calling the race. Yeah, from a and different pit box all Yeah, so at Atlanta, uh, DJ was like in pit stall two. Yeah, it's Dale yeah. Jarrett. And, yeah, yeah, he's Dale pit, Jarrett. Yeah. And Kenny Irwin was like in 18. <laughs> right? Not even close. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> so Robert, Robert, God bless him, Robert is sitting on the 28 pit box, right? Yeah. So we're leading a race at Atlanta. 88's running second. Yeah, you guys are killing it. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> what better time? For, the first yeah. time, yeah, the first time we come down pit road, we're getting ready to pit, and Kevin looks at me and goes, "All right, you son of a bitch, don't screw this up. I know what you're thinking." <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "You're gonna screw up this stop so Kenny can keep on leading." And I'm like, "I didn't think about that, but you're right." You know? <laughs> yeah, I should. Yeah. So that was really the first interjection yeah. of that. Yeah. So uh, anyway. We're leading the race, the 28th leading the race with Kenny Irwin. Yeah. And we were just, I mean, we were good. We had a great day. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, during the race, we have to be the first one on pit road. We're approaching the end of the race, yeah. and we all have to pit one more time. And I'm thinking in my head, we have to be the first one on pit road to get the tire advantage, to get ahead. Yeah. Arrow tight. You know the whole deal. Yeah. So I'm on Channel 2 talking to Robert. Robert, we need to pit him now. And Robert <laughs> and I are getting back and forth because Robert didn't want to pit. He didn't want to be the first one because he figured the yellow was going to come out yeah, we get screwed. And yep. I'm like, Robert, we need to pit. Yeah. If I was down there, I would call him in right now. Robert's like, oh, well, well. Next thing you know, Kevin's pulling on my shirt. We're pitting. Yeah. We're pitting, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not cussing God, but I was like, damn it. You know, yeah, and right. we ended up finishing fourth because – we were one of the last cars to pit with the 28. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you Bob, guys were okay. flying, too. Bobby Labonte was the first one to pit, yeah. and he won the race. Won the yeah. race. You know, and yeah. I was like, God. So you're literally calling stops <laughs> for, a, for a pit stall 22 stalls yeah. Yeah. now. Yeah, right, yeah, a quarter mile yeah. away. You're not <laughs> hearing what's in the exact pit box you're right. in without a guy screaming right. at it. Yeah. All so right. Dale Jarrett finished second. Bobby, yeah, yeah. Bobby Labonte won. Dale finished second. Yeah. I think Mark was third, and Kenny was fourth or something right, like right, that. Right, right, right. But it had come down to that, you know. And yeah. So and it came down to a pit call that wasn't yours. Well, it, yeah, yeah, that, that would have been. It came, it yeah. came down to an argument. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. With and Yates. I get Robert, yeah. Robert's mentality because back then, pit strategy really—it was like follow the leader yeah, type right. thing. It's you know, it really sure. wasn't part of. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit. You but didn't it have wasn't. the simulator on the computer? No, yeah. <laughs> shoot, no. So, but that was definitely an interesting time and something that I always cherish. Yeah. Uh, and working with Robert. So we did that crap for about four weeks. That's the thing. That was the big, like, wait, yeah. wait, wait. That's yeah. a one-off where it's like, okay, clearly yeah. we can't yeah. do that again. And then yeah. you guys did a bunch more races. We did four weeks, and <laughs> it was like. You couldn't find a guy no. in four weeks? It's like. It finally got to the point. Well, the thing like was, you know. Yeah, like, this is a yeah. prime. There's like, NASCAR there money now. No, yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, we're yeah. on a budget. I mean, Dale's running for a championship. Yeah. Had great sponsorship. And just, yeah. 
it was just one of those things that we just tried to make it work, and it was it, it just couldn't go on no more. Right now, can you imagine trying to explain that idea uh, right now to like oh, Alan no. Gustafson? Like, yeah. here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I tell these young kids, it's like you know, or you know, team members, it's like you guys don't understand what it was like back in the day. You yeah. know what right. I mean? It was, yeah. And again, 1998. Yeah. Well, even then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long yeah. ago. So. But, but a lot has changed. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. So, for sure. Yeah. But uh, again, that's those are stories that will never be repeated. Yeah. Never, yeah, ever, that's ever. Not ever happen. No, again. I don't no, think it's ever happened. <laughs> let, let alone <laughs> it won't reason. be repeated. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's just stuff that just makes you proud to, yeah. to, to work. Uh, but for Robert, again, best people in the right places. That was his mentality. Yeah. Best well, engine, yeah. best car, yeah. whatever it took to be successful. Yeah. But also, so knowing nothing about Robert Gates, it also sounds like he was the kind of guy that he had his two cents and you were going to listen. He, he asked a lot of questions. So yeah. Robert, and that was, was, you know, we all saw Robert with his hair standing straight up on end, you know, where right. he, he would always rub his hair and think. And, you know, <laughs> you, you would, if you would come up with something, but back then we didn't have simulation. And, you know, if you wanted to plot, plot your roll centers or something, you got some a string and a plumb bob and you did it all on the floor with chalk and crayon. And, and Robert would be running to the car with you trying to figure it out. And, you know, I remember, like, we would come up with a different inclination right front spindle, and six hours later, we finally got Robert's blessing, you know. <laughs> but Jeez. but he just wanted – he believed in what you were doing. He just wanted to understand. Right. You know, he wanted to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And if he didn't know anything about it, he couldn't help you. So he always wanted to know right. exactly what was going on. Uh, I think in 2001 with Dale Jarrett, I was back on 88 car with Dale Jarrett when he was sponsored by UPS. Mm-hmm. And we had come up with something. It was a right front chassis stop. So instead of running a big right front spring, we would run a soft right front spring. But then as the car would travel, it would sit on this stop on the frame. Yeah. I mean, and we killed it. I mean, we had figured it out. We didn't have computers. We didn't have design. Just an idea and we, you came up with. Yeah. We just damn welded brackets here and moved stuff around and yeah. scienced it out. We did all the work, you know. And, hell, we had won five races. I think four or five races to start 2001. We were kicking their yeah. with that yeah. thing. And Robert was instrumental of helping us figure that out because he he's just one of those perfectionists he's super smart and you know robert would work in the shop for two hours that kind of quest tons of questions then he'd go in the motor shop engine shop and he would wear those guys out then he'd come back to the chassis shop but yeah. i mean his brain was just overload and like yeah. i said his hair was always up on end because he always was taking something in to make him smarter right you know and right. he was just he was way ahead of everybody yeah, you know and but he was the type of guy you could go to him and say man we need to make this different. And he would come back to you the next day with, hey, I've been thinking about this. I ain't slept. Carolyn kicked me out of the bed. And, you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> right. But, I mean, he would go to work and get you the answer. So uh, the man was just phenomenal. And if you work for Robert, you learn something. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, there's a lot of Robert Yates in a lot of individuals today. Yeah, that's cool. And this is way too much racing. But, uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, 2003, you win the Daytona 500 as a crew chief. And you, you said it very well that, you know, crew chief isn't necessarily – sitting there working on the car in the same way that you might that a fan might think mm-hmm. but your duties in 2003 versus a, like an alan gustafson today how different are those roles completely different yeah but i will say that that uh, daytona 500 2003 yeah uh, we won that race rain shortened right yeah but we won the race and we went out that night and run hard because <laughs> <in the> <laughs> we had to stay there for the next morning for the induction oh right yeah. oh yeah and uh where'd you go uh, all over, and <laughs> that what, a, what a yeah. pass! Uh, like, and, uh, <laughs> was it, did it involve? Did it rhyme with Molly Pops? <laughs> so anyway, oh, okay, uh, Lolly Browns. Yeah. yeah so it, anyway, <laughs> you guys are. I won't say. It. But anyway, <laughs> the next morning I wake up because we had to be at the breakfast mm-hmm. induction okay. at like mm-hmm. seven a.m. 
I wake up the next morning about 6, and on the counter, there was a receipt. I'm like, uh-oh. I look at the receipt, and it was a receipt for pizza for $467. And I couldn't remember eating pizza. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I had a good time. Right, right. But, uh, no, that was uh, that was definitely fun. But, no, and, and back then, 2003, I mean, you were helping hang bodies. You were doing body work. You yeah. were making windows. You were building crush panels. You were doing HR stuff. You were signing POs. You were – uh, just mentoring people, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And just so many different things. And in today's world, uh, you know, it's completely different where the engineer gives you the setup now, right? Yeah. You have to run, you know, you review it. Don't get me wrong. You yeah. talk to the engineer about setups, but typically you do because the engineers have busted their ass to get to that setup. Yeah. And typically. And there's not just one. Yeah. Typically yeah. <laughs> it's pretty damn, pretty, pretty damn close if your tools are right. Yeah. You know, the tough part for the crew chiefs today is the meetings. Okay. You sit in a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions. In other words, not thinking about the car because you're stuck on something. At times, you know, thing. and yeah, then, yeah. you know, and like we talked about earlier, the strategy side of it, you know, Cole is Cole was a very innovative crew chief on pit decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no disrespect to Cole, but when you're the fastest car and you change up a strategy, people are going to follow you, right? So Absolutely. The, yeah. So when I was with Austin Dillon, no disrespect, but if, if I was leading the race and I come down pit road early, they'd probably say, well, hell, you must have a flat. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, right. And they wouldn't follow me down pit road. Yeah. Uh, but when you're Cole Pern and Martin Truex, who have dominated or will run really, really well, if yeah. you if you decided to short pit or, or cut your uh, the, the stage in two, people would follow you down pit road. Yeah. So, but in today's world, the computer spits out a lot of that information. So the hardest part about today's crew chief is that you're inundated with information, and at the end of the day, you have to take thousands of emails. Right. Thousands of photos, thousands of everything, and make that decision of what setup do I use? Yeah. Here's my race strategy. I'm going to pit five times. I'm going to use my tires like this during practice. I'm going to do this for qualifying. I mean, mm-hmm. just I'm going to use this. The pit crew is like back in the day. You used to go out and change tires beside the guy to, to show him that you could you could do his job. Yeah, right, right, right. And right. now it's like, well, here's my pit crew. You know, yeah, like, right. here's the roster. Yeah. You well, know? I guess that's kind of my question. So, like Cole is a perfect example with a, a team you work very closely with. Uh, is he? Signing POs, is he dealing with HR no, hirings yeah. and stuff like that? So no, he's purely yeah. compiling yeah. information right, and right, figuring yeah. out the best strategy. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times today, like if you need a front end mechanic, you know, the the team manager will get you a front end mechanic. Oh, okay. You know, where yeah. who's yeah. gone through three or four interviews mm-hmm. with HR and, and done all the process. So, yeah. I mean, it, the sports changed. Like we, I keep saying that because it really has from when I got in in 1984 to where it is today. It's like, oh my God, you know, things are just as expected like mm-hmm. in any other sport, but. Um, the sport is going to change in another direction here in the next two yeah, years, right, you right. know, and, and it's going to be a culture shock uh, because you might not need all those engineers. You might not need all those people. And, sure, you sure. Know, you're going to have one lug nut instead of five. And, yeah. you know, is it, is it come down to the guy with the fastest hand speed? I mean, what what does it come down to, you know? So, you but think I, I think one thing that's going to happen is going to be less personnel. So uh, we always ask the question especially people like yourself who've been in it for a long time but also worked with a bunch of different drivers who's the best driver that never got the break they deserved that you worked with well that's a tough question i'm gonna say ty dillon oh interesting okay he got his break in the cup series but he's not no disrespect but i I really feel that if he was in a different situation yeah he would do better and the races that i did with ty I saw something in Ty that I didn't see in Austin and other other drivers. You're right. 
Ty was phenomenal driver. He was really smart and could give you feedback and valuable information. He didn't fill you with BS. Mm-hmm. He 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 gave you what I thought was valuable information to help your race car get better. Right. And at the end of the day, he believed in you. He never questioned what you did. Yeah. He just wanted to get in and drive, and he knew his job was to give you the information to help him go faster to make him more successful. And you know, because of Ty Dillon, we ran the race at the Cup race at Michigan, and we had run out run Austin all day long, and we were going to finish fourth or fifth, and then it rained, and yeah. we were on the bad side of the pit cycle. But we had run fourth or fifth the whole race, and that next day. I was running the R&D team for RCR after my stint with Paul. And I'll never forget it. I was laying under the car. We were getting ready to go to Richmond and do a tire test and with Brian Scott was going to drive. And I was laying under the car, setting the car Monday at, I don't know, 10 o'clock. Yeah. And uh, Mike Dillon comes by and he kicks me in the feet. I was under the car adjusting a track bar. Kicks me in the feet. He said, hey, uh, you're the crew chief for the three now. (laughs) And I went, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm good. Yeah. And he's like, no, we already told all the guys. You're the crew chief of the three, and you got to go do this Richmond test, and then we go to Sonoma next week. You're the crew chief. Last one to know. That's kind of how it went down. Yeah. 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 And I was like, well, no, I'm really uh, – this is me. Like I'm, you, you yeah. like this. Yeah. 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 I'm yes. bringing speed to the crew chiefs. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. let yeah. me race. I can show them that we can outrun them, you know, right, or run right. with them. Right. And, uh, yeah, but that was funny how that whole deal went down <laughs> with the three car, but uh, I was voluntold. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I like that. Yeah. So, so but honestly, Ty Dillon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really think that in a different circumstance, Ty would turn some heads. So you, so you've worked with a couple of, you know, the best team owners in the business yeah. and Kevin Buckler. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's where we come in. Um, so you and I met in 2010 uh, yes. working for the same program. Yep. And, uh, and, and at the time, the team was new to cup racing. I came from the sports car side. You and I didn't really have much of a relationship. Yeah. Um, but and, and in my mind, well, we had to pull you out of Kevin's all the time. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, that, and that's my I point. bet you that, that gets edited out. Yeah, no, it won't. <laughs> but see, that's that, and that's the way I always look at it. Is like they probably see me as like Kevin's. Yeah, you're his lackey. Or his lackey. Yeah, yeah. But I would hear you say, and I was like, Oh like my a god! I, tear. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like thank, thank you, thank you, man. And that's why we're here now because like I need this guy needs to get on the air mm-hmm. because holy. Shit, the things you said in, in no good some of the kids, Kevin. Yeah, we 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 say that back and forth to each other, driving down the road all the time. <laughs> but no, but but like Buckler, he was a lot like Scott Speed and Jacques. He knew what he knew, right? In right. his in his his road racing. Sure, this is he, he retired. Yeah, by the way. he's like, like totally on no. easy, wow. easy no, but, yeah, but yeah. he didn't understand the NASCAR stuff, right? right so right. I had went to work for Buckler when I didn't have a job. Yeah, sure. I was in Daytona, yeah. and Mike Mike Dillon come up to me and said, "Hey." Kevin Buckler has bought a car from me. Yeah, he was. He had an RCR yep. deal at the yep. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like, he needs a guy. And I'm like, yeah. well, all right. So I talked to Kevin, whatever. Yeah. And uh, go to work for him. And like, didn't have. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they had a truck team, but that that was their stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. like I remember walking in on Tuesday morning, and like, there's your car, and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. yeah, you know, we got a lot of work to do. So right. anyway, I didn't have a job at the time, so uh, hired some friends, and you know. We didn't make the most money, but we knew that, right? Yeah. We didn't have the most stuff, but we knew that. Problem is, Kevin didn't know that. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? He thought he was going to he's gonna run with Jimmy Johnson and, and run with everybody. Right, and, right. You know, and I think the thing that Kevin struggled with the most was there was some weeks where he wanted to race, yeah. 
and some weeks where he wanted to start and park, where he couldn't afford to race, but he wanted his car there. And when you start and park, it's a complete different mindset. Yeah, right. So you, you either got to do one or the other. In other words, you're in the, the business yep. of, of yep. a profit margin. Yep. Or you are in the business of competitive. You can't do both. Yeah. You can't mix both. So that was probably a a huge struggle for him. But, man, I'll tell you, I I pulled a lot of favors. I pulled on a lot of friends. Yep. You know, that uh, I'll be honest with you, Richie Gilmore from ECR, Mike Dillon from RCR, Randy Earnhardt from DEI. If it wasn't for those people that really helped us out, you know, David Gillen driving for nothing, Bobby LeBond, you know what I mean? Those people did a lot to help Kevin. And, again, I'm not mad at Kevin. Don't get me wrong cause, because there was times where we ran good with that 71, like a Charlotte yeah, Mike Bliss. Charlotte, you were good. I mean, that, Vegas, he ran well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of helped me get my name back. Yeah. yeah you like, know where people start talking to me. like you can do it in that car. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I remember, like, we went to Charlotte and hauled ass with Mike Bliss. And the next morning, Mike Dillon called and said, hey, we don't want that car back, but what did you do? Yeah. Right. You right, know what I mean? Because right, right, that right, car right, was right. like – it was like the seven post car, you yeah. know, it's yeah. like it's just something we sold them, <laughs> you know, and it's Kids. like, no, yeah, it's like you all ran our cars all night long, you know, yeah, yeah. so, um, but no, it was just, I understood this is what we got and you got to make it work. And man, I tell you, we worked all kind of hours. We did all kind of and dude, we were making 10 cents an hour, you know, oh, what I, I mean? know, yeah. but it, it didn't matter. But uh, again, it was tough for me because I've never. Like, any team I worked for, we never owed anybody anything that I knew of. Right. Right? But when you were the crew chief of that deal, you knew that you owed the guy for the gear and transmission. You knew that yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not going to get an engine until we get a check, and, and we're not going to be able to get tires till we get – Right. And so uh, you're sitting yeah. here asking for things, and you have no yeah. idea what that relationship and is. So then I would work with Deborah, and I loved I, – I don't mind Deborah. I love Deborah because she was She's honest. In a tough spot, yeah. Yeah, she was honest. She's like, well, I won't have that money till Thursday. You, you know, right. but – what you talk to Kevin, he's like, "Yeah, it's coming. Don't worry about it." Well, no, I need an engine so we we'll go to track. You know right, what I mean? right, so, right, right, right. But but Deborah was honest, and I, I put my name on the line a lot of times. Yeah. And I really don't think he respected that. You know, I, I mean, he, he, <laughs> he always, wow, this is not no. the slugger I knew in twenty ten. No. But no, <laughs> honestly, I, because it was like Sean's yeah. ever said it so poised yeah. before. No, no yeah. I think he respected. He, that. he yeah. always thought to me. He always thought that I was trying to screw him. Yeah. And That's it's like, dude, I have. Yeah, I have pulled so many favors from people, yeah. uh, and and I felt like a, a, a criminal when I when that. I when I left there. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. like I didn't do enough for him, you know. And it's just I understand. I remember the first race where Kevin made a start in park, and I wouldn't do it. Right. You got to pull him in. You know, I'm like no. So I finally pull him in the garage, and I'd wait ten laps and send him back out. You know, I just <laughs> the racer in me. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The racer in me is like no. That's yeah. st- no, right, you know right, what I mean. Right. And, yeah, yeah. But then you had to understand the circumstance, and yeah. you know. But Deborah finally opened up to me and, and helped me understand where they were. Yeah. But Kevin never would because yeah, it's of amazing pride. what honest communication can yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I tell people who work at the back end of the garage, I'm like, look, man, people look back here. What goes on? They wa- they yeah. watch what you do, and yeah. and if you do good things, uh, you you get jobs. You, you look know, at Alex and, Bowman. Alex Bowman's yeah. running around back there. And- yeah. yeah All right. So my funny Kevin Buckler story. Yes. Please. Yeah. We have many. This, yeah. this involves uh, Andy Lally. Okay. Are you guys good with Andy? Oh God, yeah. Nah, he's he's like I mean, like yeah. my closest friend. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> so, and Andy's great. I love. Him. I got two Buckler stories. All right. So anyway, I got like nine. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, another beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
We're testing at VIR. Yeah. Yep. And you might have heard the story. <laughs> but we're testing at VIR and out there making laps or whatever. Yep. And I didn't want to go test because I kept telling we're getting ready to go to Sonoma. I'm like, Kevin, right. we we don't have another car. Right. If something happens, we're in trouble. Right. You just kind of go test, shake the car down. So anyway, we right. go. And Sonoma being his home track, yeah, so yeah, to speak, yeah. it's the so big, right. it's the big right. all event. It's yep. got to be perfect. That's so why he wanted you've it. Test it. So yeah. we go to VIR, and we're out there running. Been out there, I don't know, three-quarters of a day. And he comes off the last corner, and I'm standing at the flag stand. Just fucking, it was hot. I burned yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm standing in the flag stand, and I see Kevin come off the last corner. Kevin. I see Andy come off the last corner. Is it raining? Yeah, a little bit. Um so he, Andy comes off the last corner coming towards me, and the car is just smoking like crazy. <laughs> I'm like, what in the hell? Well, the motor blew up. Okay. Oh, and instead you. of instead of staying on course, Man, it's coming. take a break? Oh, we're good. I mean, th- that's just part of it. You know yeah. what I mean? I just want to make sure our gear is... Uh, this <laughs> don't happen on a mountain. <laughs> Burn! Let's get this guy just a little over Let me here. look how long it's going to last. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, this is fine for us. We're not getting hit, so just want to make sure our gear is pulled out. All right, so we, I think we left it at you were blowing up. You're, you're at VIR yeah. testing? Yeah, we're at yeah. VIR yeah. testing, yeah. and uh, I'm on the start-finish line flag stand just watching. I was kind of bored. <laughs> and uh, I remember looking up, and Andy's coming off the last corner, and he, he just passed pit road. He's coming towards us, and all of a sudden smoke just starts billowing out the back. Well, the motor blew up. On the car that can't be scratched. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Andy, I guess that's what you guys do in your sporty car world. He pulls off the track <laughs> into the grass. Yeah. Well, the oil, it, it threw a rod out the side and <laughs> caught the grass on fire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. So, we're sitting there with a blown engine. Yeah. And now the car is on fire. Yeah. yeah. And I'm in the flag stand. Hey, guys, we need fire extinguisher. Car's on fire. Front stretch. Tell the workers. I swear it was like 12 minutes later, the wow. freaking safety workers show up. Yeah. And like, we got to load up to go to Sonoma. Yeah, like, right. in a day and a half. Right. It's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so, like, the whole under the firewall is on fire. Everything yeah. is burnt, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So, guess who gets to call Kevin? <laughs> hey, Kevin, test went great. Blew an engine. Ah, uh, oh, damn, how bad was it? Threw a rod outside. Shit. I'm like, yeah, I know. I already called ECR. They kind of they know what it is, it's on them, whatever. I said, uh, bad problem is we uh, burn a car down. What? Ah, no, he is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I said, we'll fix it. We'll get it fixed up. So we had worked like three days around the clock, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So uh, we go to Sonoma and get through all that. But but Andy literally had burned our car down. Yeah. It was it was awesome. <laughs> but um, so another Buckler story at Sonoma. David Gill, I think it was David Gillen was driving our car. Yeah. Yep. So we had qualified, I don't know, 20-something, whatever, and practice was Saturday morning. So basically, we're 87th in points. You go out last, and there was cars waiting to go, whatever. So David's getting ready to leave pit road. Spotter tells him, you know, go behind whatever car coming. So David's looking in his mirror, and he starts rolling for that car to come to go behind. Well, the spotter couldn't see it, nor neither could David, because he was looking in his mirror. Yeah. There was a car stopped in the pit road. Oh, yeah, no. Kind of and that David uphill. hits this car in third gear oh, yep. and yeah. just freaking KOs it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you said, Sonoma is a buckler wonderland. <laughs> yep, yep. He's so, they spent a lot of money on that one. Yep. yep. So I call Kevin. He's not at the track yet because it's like 930 in the yeah, morning to yeah, practice. Yeah, I said, right. hey, man, uh, we've got a problem. He's like, what? And uh, I said, uh, we wrecked. So I told him the story, and, of course, he was hot. 
<laughs> he's like, we got to do something. I'm like, all right. I said, we, you know, I said, we have a short track car as a backup, but I said, it's like, it's just on here for parts. You're right. It's not designed it's for road course. Parts. Yeah, and I yeah, said, yeah, if yeah. we race this car, it's like, take the green flag and pit. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I got my name all over the car. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> These are your solutions yep. here. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. In the meantime, we had done some work with uh, Earnhardt Ganassi Racing because DEI had shut down, mm-hmm. and they went over to, to Ganassi, and Steve Mill was a, a good friend of mine, uh, and he really, he's another guy that I should have thanked earlier because he really helped us out uh, through the whole ordeal. And I called Steve, you know, I walked over to Steve, I said, man, I said, we're in trouble. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I will sell you Jamie, Jamie McMurray's backup car after happy hour. He said, okay, after once, happy once hour, practice is over. Yeah. Soon, yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. need it. He says, I will sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And he said, you got to race it like it is. The engine, transmission, everything. Right, right. He That's said, it's got. set up. Yeah. He said, it's ready to go. All right. I called Buckler, and, of course, that was like, I don't even know the words to describe it, but <laughs> I felt like saying it's going to cost you 150000 but I didn't, you yeah, know, because right. I knew if I said that, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'd just deal with it later. So, anyway. <laughs> We get the car and we throw it on scales, change a couple things, do do our deal. We go race, and uh, I'll never forget it because I scan a bunch of drivers in my radio. Yeah, and it's we start last, and it's about lap twenty, and we pass Jane, we pass Jamie McMurray, and Jamie McMurray comes on the radio and goes, "I think I just got passed by myself," <laughs> you know, because it was somewhat resemblance right. of his car, you know, yeah, the yeah. decals and stuff. Yeah, because we didn't have yeah, yeah, time to Yeah, it was just a show. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we we get back home and then that whole ordeal of paying how much is this yeah, paying for this and that, right? I finally get over all that. Like we finally we buy the car and, yeah, and yeah. go through the whole ordeal. And like a month later I get a I, I get a bill from Rex Garrett at DEI for the transmission and the gear. And I had forgotten all about that. Right, you know, I was right. thinking in my mind, like, okay, ECR will work it out. We traded yeah. out an engine, that yeah. was fine. I never thought about the wrath of the gear and transmission. Yeah. So here I send the bill to Deborah, oh, and <laughs> within minutes, <laughs> within what is this? You're screwing me! And I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" I, I said, "I, yep, okay, I'm screwing you. I guess." Yeah. I didn't wreck the car, but I got you a car because you said we had to race. Here's the bills. Here's what it is. Yeah. So that was my other buckler story. That uh, <laughs> I think. I toned it down a thousand percent. <laughs> the yes. story just now? Yeah. 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 Why yeah. could you do that? Well. My favorite Slugger Kevin story was a similar kind of scenario. It was about a tire bill. And um, and I'm just sitting there. Sounds like a theme. I'm, I'm sitting there with my head up his ass. And, um, I got a picture of it. <laughs> and the there's a trademark Kevin expression that you probably had only heard for the first time, but in sports car, we're used to it. Excuse me, sporty car. Oh, yeah, sporty car. Yeah. Sporty car. Yeah. Um, and that expression is, I'm going to have to pull my kids out of private school. Yep. And I believe the Slugger Labby response, which no one had ever said in our little sporty world, yeah. no one gives a shit about your kids, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and Well, again. And again, Lackey Sean on his laptop's like, I love this guy. I <laughs> <laughs> love this guy. And the reason why Sing I said that is, and I had reason to say that, because yeah. I grew up in NASCAR, yeah. and my kids suffered. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understood that the car owners and the drivers, yep. although they appear that they care, it, it was yeah. tough. It's you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough. Rodney Childers, Rodney Childers will tell you that today. I mean, other other yeah. crew chiefs will tell you that today, yeah. that it, it's tough because it's it's a job and it's family. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've always heard God, family, racing, and all these things. But, yeah. 
man, I tell you, if racing sucks and your family sucks, I mean, it just it goes on and on. But right. at the time, he hit me wrong, and I said, no one gives a shit about your kids, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking back at it today, yeah, it wasn't the right thing to say. But to me, looking back at it, like I told you earlier, I, I've said some things in the past yeah. that has affected my career. I think a lot of and, people uh, will let that one slide. Yeah. yeah. There's a but, lot of people on But, on you know, you look there. back at it, it's a small garage, right? And yeah. you don't want to tarnish what's inside that garage because if you F it up, you won't be in that garage. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of things I said and a lot of things that I did being a passionate racer that I would take back. Yeah. But you sometimes you just can't take those back. But, sure, sure. Man, I walked out of that office and I was like, yeah. You know what I mean? So did Sean. Yeah. <laughs> we do a pass-along question from guest to guest. And last night we had dinner with uh, Mr. Bobby Labonte. Mm-hmm. I believe you know him. Yeah. Um, Great dude. Yeah. And his question for you, and this is his question, so yeah. don't punch Sean. Uh, how'd you really cut your finger off? Oh, God. <laughs> did. Why did he say, you see it? Yeah. yeah. I looked earlier. I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we talked about when I moved from North or Maine to North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I lived with uh, the Houstons for a while, mm-hmm. and then uh, when I got on the payroll, I had some money in my pocket, and Scott and I, Scott Houston and I, yeah. had a bright idea that we were going to get a house together. Okay. And boy, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun, a lot of parties, a lot of good times. Uh, long story short, I <clears throat> jumped over the fence in the backyard. Okay. It's like a chain link fence. And my hand slipped and got caught in the fence, and it literally ripped the end of my finger off. Oh, oh wow! And yeah, yeah, you can see like it's all I jacked mean, up. See, yeah, it's yeah, crooked yeah. No and bent. Left or anything? There. Yeah, it's yeah, gone. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, it really freaks the kids out when you go like this, stick your finger <laughs> up your nose, because they they really think you get your finger jumped, jammed yeah, all the way up your nose. Right, but uh, right. but no, literally, I was in the hospital for six days. Oh, my oh. parents, my parents were in Maine. Over I mean, the finger? Yeah, I mean, it literally ripped it out, dude. Yeah. So well, yeah. They were about infection and stuff like that. Well, just because I had to have surgeries and replacements in all my fingers, like this. Oh, so that's just the final result, but the whole hand. Yeah, was my whole hand, my thumb, my hand, skin grass on my my hip. So I mean, I was jacked up. But yeah. Damn, Bobby. Uh, <laughs> good party. But no, though. yeah, it, it was a damn good time. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that definitely was do not do list. Was that was that yeah. drinking and and. We had a good time in Hickory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we would go out most nights and run really hard mm-hmm. and then go to work about nine. And yeah. old Tom would come down f- from the pool with a cooler full of beer and say, come on, guys, let's go to the pool. So we would go to the pool around four o'clock. So yeah. we raced hard. We worked hard and partied hard yeah. back in my early days. And speaking about wrecking, you know, I was Austin Dillon crew chief when he wrecked at Daytona, mm-hmm. when he got oh, up in the, the fence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the numbers I saw from that event was phenomenal. I mean, just incredible. In terms of like G forces, yeah, because yeah. he he hit three different fence posts. Yeah, you know, and the numbers we saw from that wreck were phenomenal. And you know, I I thought I, we had killed him. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I literally I put my head down and prayed because I said, "This is it." Oh, yeah. Do you have those real and time? Do you have the real yeah, time? The NASCAR recorder boxes, yeah. Oh, so you can on the pit box see what they just. Oh no 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 no! Once once we got those numbers, yeah, I was right. just blown yeah, away. It's like there's just no way in the pictures and looking at the car and. You know, I just thought the first thing I thought of when Austin wrecked was we just killed them. Yeah. Killed him and poor Richard Childers. That's yeah. the significance yeah. of that for that kind of program. You know, all right. I could think yeah. of Austin in the three passing away at Daytona. Yeah. Yeah. On an RC just like car, our, yeah. just like just like Big E did, you yeah. know, and I, and I just thought I'm like, I'm responsible for this, yeah. you know, and 
a lot of things run through my head of safety sitting there because you know I hear Richard's voice, Austin, do you hear me? Austin, talk to us. Right, right. And there's nothing, and 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 the fear of God is running through me. And and did, did we scrutinize anything? And I just you know, and I was thinking, man, he just went in the fence, and it just mm-hmm. so much went through my brain that that night, and yeah. it just. It, it, that was just a crazy event, you yeah. know, and I literally thought that Austin had passed away that night, yeah. and thank God he didn't, you know, and just to to see him come up and, and do the weird <laughs> that he did, you know, the cowboy thing. <laughs> right, that, right. Just, just Got to do a gimmick. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was just, that's just him, you know, and yeah. uh, I was so proud that, you know, the race car we built helped him survive, yeah. you know, and you've heard me say this before to you guys that never scrutinized safety, and yeah. for him to walk away from that, you know, much like Ryan Newman did. You know, it's yeah. just how does that happen? Yeah. yeah. You know, these guys are athletes. Yeah. You know, not you because you drive, but these other guys. What is that supposed to be? <laughs> just kidding. Beer, <laughs> <sport guard. laughs> just kidding. Yeah. So we're not sure exactly who our next guest is, but if you could ask like a generic racing question of somebody, is there something that you would normally go with? <laughs> uh, damn, that's that's a tough one there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not always drivers. It's guys like you. It's media. It's criminals yeah yep sometimes criminals we've had a couple very good uh, out of the sports car side there's no criminals in nascar yeah um but we've had a couple couple famous people in sports car i, I always me being on the aggressive side i always wondered like like i've come clean on a couple things mm-hmm. you know just bullshit here and yeah, having yeah, a yeah. good time uh i often wonder like if a driver or crew chief or a team owner ever did something uh, deceptive if they would ever come clean like I did uh, so I guess my question would be is what's the most aggressive thing you've ever done inside a race car inside of a meeting uh, going through tech inspection uh, what is something that you've done to get a performance advantage all right so we'll we'll, we'll wrap this up um, you know we you're known as mr. performance advantage guy right uh, aggressive performance. aggressive performance yeah. advantage yeah. every time it comes up there you, there's this snicker that comes out of your face that's clearly going to all go in the book one day so when you do write that book i have no doubt it's the first thing i'm buying um so what is your favorite performance advantage since you can't tell any stories about anything you may or may not have been involved in what's the your favorite one that you've heard of um since it's a long time ago okay uh Daytona Talladega, he won two races. Yeah. From what I understand. <laughs> Legend has it. The clutch pedal, <clears throat> there was a device where the clutch pedal became an activator for rear ride height. So once you would put it in fourth gear, you would hit a switch, and he would pump the clutch pedal up, and it would drop the back of the car. And then after the race or a pit stop, he would flip the switch and pump it back up, and the back of the car would raise back up. Yeah, that's that was something I heard. Um, hell, back in the day, that was we didn't have Facebook back then or Twitter. <laughs> I think it was MySpace. Yeah, something remember, like that. But, MySpace page being pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but back in the day, I always heard that um, that that they had that device when <laughs> won those two races. And uh, another cool one, which I've never done, which I wish I would have, but um, I heard that teams back in the day had wheels on the right side that would be extremely heavy so after the first stop they would put lighter weight wheels on and their right side of the car would be substantially less weight so it would suck to be a tire changer pulling that bitch off yeah right. so but you get through tech uh but yeah that was uh 
those two things are back in the day, and I really don't think anybody would get in trouble uh, by divulging that. But um, that those those were some events that probably would help you on a short track and and a speedway. So I cover kind of covered both areas. One of my favorite NASCAR moments was uh, un- not knowing that there was a live television feed inside the car. Chad Canals recommending to, that Jimmy crack the rear end. Crack the bump, yeah, crack the rear end. Uh, if not that you would ever be involved in anything like that, but um, maybe how have you ever had a conversation on pit lane where you forgot to mention something that should be like that, or do you always try to keep it where it's a contained number of people? I tried to like if anything like that need to happen out because the spotter is the guy that you know in today's world like the crew chief really don't talk with his driver. The crew chief talks to the spotter on channel two. The spotter relays the information. Yeah. Simple being is you don't want to be talking if there's a wreck. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. the spotter can't talk. So typically that. That, that's the line of communication. So there may or may not have been one time where a spotter was supposed to tell the driver something after the race, and I yelled at the spotter on Channel 2, who therefore yelled at the spotter on Channel – I mean, who yelled at the driver on Channel 1, therefore got my ass chewed out after the race by NASCAR because – Because it's something they were supposed to do. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, it was kind of like a, a mistake that got my ass chewed out. So you so. have some sympathy when – when he gets caught. So I him. understand Chad's mindset, but, you know, Understood. sometimes people forget stuff under pressure and things happen. How um, is there a magic number to you on how many, like, for example, if you were to go for performance advantage, your car chief needs to know so that you are on the same page as far as the deflection. Sometimes yeah. maybe a spotter needs to know if there's a post-race action. How is, do you have a magic number on how many people can know on what's what v- very limited you know yeah. like we talked about earlier i got in trouble for a frame rail infraction when i was at yeah. rcr yeah. um that didn't happen at 11 o'clock in the day you know what i mean it <laughs> was it was definitely done uh time and place planning, and uh, yeah. right. looking back at that i probably should have told richard or or eric warren or mike dylan hey you know this Here's is this is going on but yeah. again we were trying to as it's known i mean my penalty notice is is altering nascar gauges and we had designed a frame rail uh I didn't design it with the help of some friends. Uh, we come up with a plan to alter a frame rail inside of a race car, and uh, NASCAR cut the side off the car and at the tech center and found it. So I really think that NASCAR was alerted that we had something, and they yeah. literally cut a hole in the right side door and found it. So Now, do you, some, uh, do you sometimes door. not tell the boss simply because you don't want to be told no because you're really proud of what you came up with? Back then, I think you wouldn't tell the boss because when you had a multi-car team, you'd have to tell the other team. Yeah, and you don't want to lose your uh, advantage. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Performance yeah. advantage. Look at yeah, his face. Yeah. He, like, he was like, yeah, <laughs> you're exactly. So you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it, dude. Yeah. I'm with you. Hey, I thought of another question that you should ask somebody. Okay. okay generic. Okay. Sure. Yep. If you, ask, if you talk to another crew chief, okay. ask them, do you own a NASCAR rulebook or IndyCar rulebook or IMSA rulebook? Do you have one in your bathroom? Oh, <laughs> because I had I had yeah. a rule book in my bathroom at work and at home, and that's, that's what I did when I sat on the toilet. I always read say, is the that because you're bored or is that where your best thinking comes from? You're like, wait a minute, I no, just, the door's closed, check. the yeah, door yeah. closed. Yeah, you ain't got no doing? phone, no one's, no one's bothering you. you. You're yeah. reading the rule book. So, have you ever read a rule book sitting on a toilet? I think we'll just hold that, even if we yeah, don't. Still good. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna use that no matter what. Yeah, we get to. I literally like had a rule book in my bathroom at home and one at work, and that's what I would do. I would just zone out and think about stuff and okay so let's 
I'd wash my hands. Do you have a rule book uh, like on your trophy case? Uh, like no, that's me. Yeah, I do no, that. but yeah. I do have my uh, fine infractions framed and on the wall. So. Right, that's what I was <laughs> hoping yeah, for. Yeah, good. good. So, right. hey guys, I appreciate this, and yeah, it's good to, to reminisce back on the old days. And I'm trying to make up for lost time with the family because, yeah. you know, 35 years of this of this sport on the circus. Yeah, it's uh, it's a grind, but I love it, and I still watch it. Uh, go to many events, I watch them all and support them all. And without racing, I, I wouldn't have yeah. all the things that I have. So I'm. Uh, Obviously, racing wasn't near as good as to me. It was Cole. <laughs> That's how you're gonna end that. I am gonna, I am gonna bust on Cole every chance. I mean, you know how many crew chiefs are like, "Damn, the son of a bitch bought a damn mountain. <laughs> he owns a ski resort and a helicopter." Oh, I didn't know he had a helicopter. Oh, He's gonna get to now. the mountain somehow. Well, somehow, yeah, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah.